All right, for the next few episodes, I'm not going to put a sponsor in the spot, putting sponsors on hold for the moment. And for a while, going to highlight an organization that we support, think is awesome, and you might think is awesome too. Maybe you've never heard of it. So this is to raise awareness and give a virtual high five. And today it is World Bicycle Relief. Oh my gosh, do I love World Bicycle Relief. So the backstory for World Bicycle Relief is in developing regions of the world, millions of people walk for miles each day just to survive, just to complete everyday tasks. Distance is a barrier to attending school, receiving healthcare, getting goods to market, and World Bicycle Relief delivers specially designed, locally assembled, rugged bicycles for people in need. And they empower people in rural developing regions with life-changing mobility. You can check them out at worldbicyclerelief.org. And if you like what you see, you know, it speaks to you, think about dropping a couple shekels. And now, let's cue the intro. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Orman, and you are listening to Stimulus, a podcast that deconstructs ideas and strategies to live and work with intent. Don't just suck it up. Think differently. Here we go. Hello, my friends. If you're coming back, welcome back. And if you're new to the show, it's great to have you. And you know what? If you're unsure, if you're new or coming back, just can't decide where you fall on that, you know what? You're awesome too. Before we jump in, many of you have been asking me about Essentials of Emergency Medicine. I talked about that in the intro for the last episode. It's happening May 25th through 27th in the virtual space. It is a hybrid. It's part live, part pre-recorded master classes that we're going to interweave with the live. If you're thinking, you know what? You know what? I hear that. I hear that. And uh, what I really love to do is uh, get a hundred bucks off my registration. <laughs> I hear you. Just use the code Orman, my last name, O-R-M-A-N at checkout. And you know what? Just see what happens. See what happens when you do that. And I'm not promising an explosion of unicorns and rainbows, but I'm telling you something will happen. Something's going to play out there. You put in that code, essentialsofem.com. All right. Our guest today is Dr. Jim Adams. He is professor of emergency medicine. He is a chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Northwestern. He is also the senior vice president and chief medical officer at Northwestern Medicine. Guy's got some sheepskin. And as you can see by the length of this podcast, it's shorter than our usual episode, but there are some incredible pearls packed in here. So it's short and packs a punch. It, you can think of whatever analogy you want to make for that. Now, how this came about, this conversation with Jim, I saw a write-up of a talk that he gave called Advice to Chief Residents. And there was a lot of focus in that on scheduling and kind of, you know, man managing people when you're scheduling. But I'll tell you, I was looking at it thinking, oh my gosh, this applies to so much more than just chief residents and scheduling. I mean, scheduling and that is sort of a metaphor for life. But I looked at that, but, you know, bringing it back to the specifics of scheduling, it was kind of personal for me. I mean, my wife and I were both chief residents. And for those of you not in the medical field, a chief resident is in charge of scheduling the shifts and what it's going to happen month to month for the other residents, scheduling the education, getting speakers to come in. It's a big job. And during our experience, there were a few residents out of around the 50, and it's funny, this totally flavored the experience, a few residents who drove us crazy with complaints, regular requests for special dispensation. And not requests that were consistent with the court d'esprit, but 
somewhat antagonistic and entitled, and it just drove us up the wall. So the conversation that we're going to have with Jim is going to start out with some strategies on how to be an effective scheduler, which as I say, it's like, well, it's kind of esoteric, but certainly applies to many other areas of life and work. And I'll tell you, throughout this conversation, we get into quite a bit of things. He's got some unusual and unique ideas and approaches. You might or might not agree with them. In fact, you might say to yourself, when you hear some of the stuff, oh, hey, I'm all about tough love when it's called for, but this is a little bit too much for me. Totally cool. You know, we want to have lots of different viewpoints on the show. We don't always want to preach to the choir, but I'll tell you, they are well thought out, they're well practiced, and they've got years of field testing. And there's a couple of things that pop up in this conversation that get presented out of context. And one of them is blend and redirect. You could say a technique for negotiation or collaboration, where instead of fighting and butting heads against the other person, I mean, not really a successful collaboration technique. Instead of doing that, you blend your ideas. In a way, you put them on the same frequency. It's almost like seek to understand, then be understood. And when you're there, when you're on the same frequency, you redirect in a way that's in everyone's interest or you know, that you think is in everyone's interest, even if at the beginning, things didn't seem to be so. Now, let's get to it. Zen and the art of scheduling. Using tough love to create positive culture and some of the most extreme reframing I have ever come across. Our conversation with Dr. Jim Adams. Say you're, you're scheduling someone as the, as the chief, as the chiefs do, and you get an email from one of the other residents, say one of the junior residents that says, I can't believe you're making me work on Friday, April 24th. I specifically requested this day off. I would appreciate it if this did not happen again. And oftentimes it's the same person who sends you those emails week after week after week. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, didn't I say that this is how the schedule is going to be? Why are they hotboxing me all the time? How would you respond to that email? Yeah, there's so much going on there. So we coach our chief residents well in advance to get to all the other residents and lay out the ground rules. And laying out the ground rules and, and expectations in advance is enormously important part of management, of life, of even setting expectations for the patient. Lay out the expectations. And with the, with the residents, how many days can you request off that we'll honor? Can you really expect them to be honored or not? We'll try. We'll guarantee one or two, but we're not going to guarantee more than that. So lay out those expectations. The other expectation to lay out is, you know what? Life's not fair. There's always going to be a tough call to make, always going to be some double back, yeah, ACGM illegal, but unpleasant, always going to be that extra weekend shift that's hanging. We'll try to distribute them. If you think something's consistently unfair, happy to have a positive conversation. So lay out the expectations, what we're going to accept. Lay out the expectation that life is just not fair. Then the third expectation that I lay out with the attendings is, huh, there's some people who never complain that are good soldiers and they soldier on. Never give the extra bad decision to them. Always give the bad decision to the person who's going to complain because they're going to complain anyway. That sounds so passively aggressive, man. No, I, no, it's not passive aggressive. It's aggressive aggressive because I tell them that's part of the expectation. <laughs> Say, there's complainers and there's not complainers. And so the complainers are going to complain no matter what. I might as well give you something to complain about. 
And so I'm expecting your emails. I'm expecting you to complain. And then, so then they have to decide if they complain and then it becomes a little bit of a game. So even with the residents, you can't reward bad behavior. You can't reward bad behavior. Otherwise, everybody's going to behave badly. That's tactical management rules. The second set is the emotional rules. You can't let them see you sweat. You've got to be imperturbable about this. So even in ourselves, there was a major switch in my life that happened when I realized that nobody is ever reasonable. Everybody's crazy. And so there's this peace that comes when I encounter patients and I don't expect them to be reasonable. The nurses, I don't expect them to be reasonable. Nobody's ever reasonable. And when that's the normal state of affairs, when people are nice and reasonable, boy, what a nice moment. <laughs> but but it allows me just like, yeah, we're all, including me, we're all a little crazy, let's just roll with it, right? And then I don't get perturbed about what is normal human behavior. So that resident, when she emails that back or he emails that back, the natural response is this person's a problem, they're terrible, they're bad, everybody talks behind that person's back, nobody talks to that person and lays out the complaint. If you do, you're annoyed and irritated, that person gets more annoyed and irritated, the normal human reciprocity takes over and we end up not liking each other. Instead, yeah, that's going to happen. I laid out the rules in advance, I go to the person, you know, you know the rules in advance, Sorry you're feeling stressed, but these emails are not going to get you what you want. In fact, it's kind of going to get you to be unhappy. So I think you can extinguish those behaviors by not rewarding them. So that person says, well, I requested this day off. And you say, well, okay, well, a lot of people requested this day off. Well, resident X got the day off and I didn't. I mean, why can't resident X work and I get the day off? Yeah, they don't complain. The ones who don't complain get the day off. Would you say that overtly? Yeah, I do with the attendings. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's that overt. I mean, I have a rule in place that we have 20% bonus at risk as attendings. I say, hey, attending, you know, if the nurses are complaining about you, if the patients are complaining, if the medical staff's complaining, you know what? I charge it for, I have to go clean up the complaint. I charge it for my time. My time's expensive. The attending says, it wasn't my fault. I said, it's not about your fault. It's about my time. My time's expensive. Wait, you like send them a bill? No, what I, yeah, I kind of, I said, that took me an hour to clean up, 500 bucks. I'm expensive. Not just like a six pack of Milwaukee's best? No. And then I give the money to the guys who never complain and the ones who, it's either you're building social capital or you're degrading social capital. If they're, if they're creating complaints and, compl and, and sending nasty emails and talking ch negatively in the ED, you're degrading social capital, not building culture, not building camaraderie, not building morale. So if I have to get involved to have corrective action, you know, just a nursing complaint or a patient complaint, that's a really big problem. And um, I charge for my time. Now, hang, hang on now. I, I want to get into that a little bit more. So you, so you have to deal with all these patient complaints or whatever about this. About this. I would imagine it's not just the one-off, but if it's a repeated thing, you say, all right, well, that was, that's 500 bucks. How do, how do you enforce them paying if they don't pay you? No, no. So we have uh, incentive comp compensation at the end of the year. So, yeah. you know, everybody gets paid hourly and then at the end of the year, there is a withhold and it's budgeted in that everybody will get a, a, a payout at the end of the year. And so there's pluses or minuses depending on the people who work the most, RVU based, but also this rule that if people are creating problems, we charge for the cleanup of the problems because otherwise we would be putting our time into stuff 
that builds and advances the department. And if people are creating problems, that takes time away from us building and advancing the department. Now, this has been not a new thing. It's 12 years. And right now, I get zero complaints. The nurses and attendings love each other. The, uh, the other services send me far more compliments. There's not a week that goes by that I don't get three emails from other services about how great the care was, how great the residents are, how great the attendings are. I get far more compliments than complaints. Never get pl- complaints from other services. And so we put these rules in place more than a decade ago. And culturally, we are in a dramatically different place as a major academic medical center. I never thought it was possible. The, the consultants come down. The residents are shaking each other's hands. We're validating, valuing the others, and they're respecting us. But it starts with really extinguishing the negative behaviors. I wouldn't imagine that, that you have visible tattoos. I may, I may be wrong, but if you did, I would think that you would have tough love tattooed on your knuckles, you know, like the... Like like the pirates would have <laughs> words tattooed on their knuckles. Tough tough love with Jim Adams. Yeah, you know. But I, I reward the heck out of good behavior. And one of the big mistakes people make in organizations is to go after the trouble and the troublemakers. I spend very little time there, and if I'm forced to do, I think that's very expensive. I spend all my time positively rewarding the top twenty percent, and the whole organization moves forward. What's a reward for good behavior? But the the bonus from the people who were causing the problems. Oh, okay. I don't keep the money. It's all given. It's all given out. Let's move on to a different situation that I think any, a, a resident or an attending, any anyone could run into. There's a disagreement. It's tense, but it starts quiet. It's between the ED attending and the trauma attending, and the trauma attending suggested that the patient be kept in the ED for several hours of observation instead of being admit it happens all the time. And the ED attending is trying to convince the trauma attending to admit the patient and finally gets frustrated and says, you know what? You're just a big fat fucking baby. So at the end of that next day, here about it blows up. The attend talk to the EM attending. I ask, did you get what you want? Said, well, blah, blah, blah. And then are you happy? And the person's pause for a little bit and doesn't really have an answer. I'm like, well, you know what? You worked really hard. You've worked for a long time. You're clinically at the top of your game. Do you feel appreciated? Do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel respected? Do you feel rewarded? Are you happy? If not, if you're willing to have a different type of conversation, maybe I could make you happy. And so that combat is natural. This person felt offended, didn't know how to get through the co- this complex situation, and maybe there was not an easy route with that, that trauma situation. But when you're grounding combat, again, you can be right or you can be happy. I think this guy chose a path that was going to only cultivate more resistance. Other attendings, similar situation, listen to the trauma attending assert their point of view, his thinking is, I'm not going to put them on an inpatient unit, do a full H&P just to discharge them in a couple of hours. You know what? That makes some sense. But is there a middle ground that we can carve? And so with the blend and redirect technique, you kind of restate what makes sense that you do agree with, but then you assert, look, I'm overwhelmed down here. There's no way this patient is going to get the proper attention. 
no way that we can afford to take a care slot. We're just getting creamed. We're overwhelmed. Where's the best place for us to put this patient? You can start to solve the problem together. But combat's not going to make you happy. There's an expression that you have that I think is great. It, it applies to when we were talking about the consultants, when we're talking about these situations, we were talking about the challenges with the schedule, with the staff, challenge now trying to get this patient admitted. People are not against you. They're just for themselves. People are not against you. They're just for themselves. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. And when you realize that, then you don't take it personally. You don't get angry. You don't feel belittled. You don't feel offended. They're just asserting something that's for themselves. You got to figure what your goal and need is and stay with it. When you don't act offensively or angrily, you can actually get to better solutions. There's this friend of mine who has had a great career and a great life, and he taught me something too. He said, what would it be like if you went through life and everybody was on your team? He said, the reason that I've been so successful, he was an acting major, he's in his 50s now, an acting major from a second-rate university, and now he's won 16 Tonys as a producer. Like, how'd you win 16 Tonys? He said, people gave me negative feedback all the time, every step of the way, every year of my life. He said, but I really in my heart believed they were on the team, they shared my vision, they just didn't know it yet. And I'm like, I love that. Everybody's on his team, they just didn't know it yet. Ultimately, he convinced them. And so I kind of have that spirit. Nobody's against you, they're for you. Everybody's on your team. They just don't know it yet. You can get them there. And then when you think they're acting crazily, it applies to all of the situations we've talked about, that everyone's behaving rationally, at least according to them. Exactly. We think it's crazy. They think it's rational. As long as I don't judge it, I don't label it. I just listen to it. Not just the what, but the why. And in the why, there's often some rational thing there that now I can understand. And that is it for today. For complete and detailed show notes of this or any other episode, just go to our website, stimuluspodcast.com. And you know, there were some really cool phrases and pearls and ideas. We'll have them all encapsulated on the website if you want to pull those out for reference. If you just use the show notes on your podcatcher, that's just the abbreviated form. To get the real in-depth stuff, hit the website. And when you're there, you can also sign up for our newsletter, should you wish to do so. You can subscribe to Stimulus in pretty much any podcatcher you use. And if it happens to be iTunes, throw down a review and rating. I read all the reviews and more importantly, so do potential guests. Thanks in advance. Until the next time, be well and keep on rocking.